the PS2, I I grew up on that. And oh, the best system ever. Yeah, and so I'm I'm collecting PS2 games. Or actually, let me turn on my camera. So I have this CD tower here. It's got four oh, sides. Yeah. Um, PS2 starting here, going down to the floor. You can see. Wow. It. And up to here. Nice. Got all the all the good classic stuff. I got Sly Cooper. I got Time Splitters, which is oh, that was such a classic. I spent so um, much time on I that know. game. Yeah. Hello and welcome to the Catholic Nerds Podcast, your up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, be a start source for quality Catholic nerdery. Uh, I'm Eric Dumont. I'm rolling it solo today and I have a very special guest with me. Uh, I should have asked you beforehand. Is, is your last name? Okay. Is it pronounced Smila or? Yeah, you got it. Smila. Smila. Okay. I wasn't sure. Uh, you know, you get the pun all the time. Hey, smell you later. You know? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've heard <laughs> all the different pronunciations. So Nice. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, I have Father Tony. Uh, Tony Smiley here with me today. He's the chaplain at Powers Catholic High School in Flint, Michigan. Uh, he is also one of the hosts and uh, I'm assuming founding uh, founding member of the Flint Catholic podcast, which started, that is correct. started back in, uh, what is that, 2020? You started I back? think that sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. We decided to start a podcast about all the Catholic events happening in Flint when there were no events happening in Flint. Right. <laughs> Figured that would be a good time to, you know, get our feet under us and figure out how to do podcasting. Nice. There you go. So uh, what what kind of things were, were happening around then? I'm, I'm curious now. We, we really didn't. Um, so the point of that podcast is to really talk about all the things happening in Flint, because right now, if you want to know all of the Catholic events happening in Flint, you have to go to each individual website and download every single bulletin. And nobody's got time for that. Right. Ain't nobody got time for that. So we're like, <laughs> let's compile that, put that in like the middle announcement section, and then just have two segments on either side where we just talk about Catholic things. Perfect. And so for the first year, we just talked about Catholic things and said, there's nothing happening. Nice, nice. A good way to evangelize, a good way to get some apologetics out there and stuff. Yeah, a little bit. Bolster the faith of the yeah. people here. And yeah, so it's a hyper-local podcast. So we talk about Flint things a lot, which is cool. Nice, definitely. Even even things, uh, your last previous episode, we were talking about uh, David Cruz was, uh, I, I think a lot of people can get into that, especially like your background in music. And uh, yeah, it was really, it was a really cool listen. Um, yeah. Uh, I guess I'll have to also apologize. My heater's going, or my furnace is going right now, so that might. It's cold. Hey, I don't. It's cold I don't blame you. It's here cold. In Michigan. Today during the during the recording, it's like seventeen degrees outside right now. Yeah, I woke yeah. up this morning and I saw my phone. It said negative three, and I'm like, <laughs> do I really have to go to school today? <laughs> Even adults. Oof. Hey, I got the text a few days ago, or last week for the snow day, and I rejoiced just as much as all those kids rejoiced. Yeah. I started Exodus 90. I don't know if you're familiar with that or not. I am. Um, yeah, I've gone through it myself. Okay, cool. Awesome. So you know what I'm talking about then. Uh, yep. so Exodus 90, really cool experience. This is my first year doing it. And uh, one of the one of the things that everybody will see the first time they, they look into it is one of the disciplines you have to you have to do is starting to take cold showers every day. And oh. uh so the group, the group I'm a part of, I'm, uh, I'm a part of uh, Scott and uh, 
or you know Scott Smith. He's the other host to this podcast. That you know he's not here today. But anyway, <laughs> I'm taking over. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so I'm a part of his group. He's in Louisiana, and all the other guys are like, "Oh man, Aww. cold showers." And I'm like, "Cold showers? I can just run outside." And <laughs> yeah. Right. Fall in the snow. Oh my gosh. I, I do have to say, for my Exodus 90 experience, the cold showers was the hardest part. Mm. Man, just every day, like waking up knowing, oh, I'm going to have to do this again. Here we oh, go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know. For me, the cold showers is actually the easiest part. I think the hardest part wow. is, the hardest part for me is giving up phone time. I'm, I'm incredibly mm. attached to my phone, especially I, I started uh, last year, I started selling things on eBay. So I'm like constantly oh, yeah. going on there. I'm posting things. I mean, that that's one thing when I'm like selling stuff, but right. I like, I like scroll through there all day looking for things I want to get. Cause I'm, I'm selling old games so I can get new games, but now I have to wait yep. until after Easter to get those new games now. Yeah. So that's just how it is. So I just, yep. I do my best and uh, yeah, it, it's a, been a really good experience so far and it's really, it's really kind of helped me work at my prayer life, I guess you, yes. you could say. And it's, yeah, so and I, that's kind I, of the I, point, right? Yeah, exactly. That's always the point. Do we get closer to God and exactly. to do that through the physical disciplines? It's great. Absolutely. Yeah. And it, it works. You know, I, I don't know how it works, but the guys who made it just, especially the reflections every day, they're like spot on. Yeah. It's like exactly what I needed to hear that. That's what I was struggling with today kind of thing. So, yeah. Um, but anyway, this is not an advertisement for Exodus 90. <laughs> this is the Catholic Nurse Podcast where we have our special guest today, Father Tony Smila. So I, I want to introduce him to you guys. Father Tony, tell, tell me your story. Where did you come yeah, from? Yeah, so <laughs> I uh, actually grew up here in Flint. And uh, so it's kind of cool that I'm back in Flint. Um, I'm, a, I'm actually a graduate of Powers. And uh, nice. so to be back at Powers to, to serve at the, uh, the school that I went to is, is pretty special for me. Um, so, yeah, starting all the way back there, um, you know, I really I, I had the Catholic upbringing, right? Went to St. John Vianney School, went to Powers Catholic High School, was really given a good foundation for the faith. Uh, my parents made it very clear that uh, Mass on Sunday is a non-negotiable. And, mm. and to me, that is just that's huge. Right. Uh, and for any anybody in their upbringing, like to, for parents to say this is a non-negotiable, this is that important was huge. So when I got to high school, I learned a lot about my faith, right? I got a lot of that, that head knowledge of my faith. There was a chaplain there who was really smart. He was a former Dominican, um, so very smart. And me and my friends, we kind of took advantage of that, and in, in a good way, um, where we started a group called, uh, well, what do we call it? Magnus Sedalitis, the Great Society, because we, nice. we, really, we thought we were really cool. And uh, <laughs> essentially what it was was we would go – Usually, like we go to a coffee shop or we go out somewhere with the chaplain, and we you generally have like a topic we'd want to talk about that day. He'd talk about the topic for a while, and then we would just pepper him with questions. Nice. And it was just a, a an AMA, and we just go all out asking questions, and and it was really cool. And so I learned a lot about my faith when I was in high school, and so I graduate high school, and I start at U of M Flint. School was not really like my thing. I'm not very good at school. Sitting still for long periods of time is not something I'm good at doing. So I didn't even really want to go to college. You know, if I had a chance to go back and do it again, you know, the trades would have looked way more enticing. And that's probably where I should have gone. But, you know, college was the push, right? We all had that push to go to college. So I was like, all right, I'll go to U of M Flint, you know, get that U of M degree and not pay all that money for it that right. U of M has. So, um, 
went to U of M Flint and uh, was only kind of sure what I was going to study because I didn't enjoy too many subjects in school, but I enjoyed music and I enjoyed history. Those were kind of like the two subjects I really enjoyed a lot. And I remember uh, I was in the room where you kind of pick your major before school starts. And there's like all these tables with all the different majors and you can talk to them. And, and I was at, I was like ready to approach the social studies and history tables. And I look over and there's music and I'm like, Hmm. And this is like, this is what early August. So like I'm getting, I'm ready to jump into school. Mm. I look over there and I see the music table and I go, huh, if I don't do this, I'm probably going to regret this. And so just like, like just a spur of the moment decision, I'm like, I'm going to be a music major this year and decided to do that. And um, so my first year in college was a music major. I was in education, um, music education and majoring on the trumpet, uh, which was my main instrument in high school. Um, Blue Vega. Yeah, it was uh, it was it was a ton of fun. Right. Being in music was so cool. It was a lot of fun. Loved like making music just a central part of my education. And the problem was, however, that I was also in a rock band at that time okay. and playing bass guitar in a rock band. And that that was making me money. And playing the trumpet was not making me money. Right. And so I ended up practicing my bass guitar a lot more than I practiced my trumpet. So a year into my music major career, uh, I was basically kicked out of the music department. Didn't make it through. So I'm like, all right, now what do I do? Uh, well, I guess I'll go to that major that I was going to do originally, social studies and history. And so I started studying that for a couple of years. So I spent three years at U of M Flint. When I was in college, I really wanted three things to be happy. I thought there were only three things that were going to make me happy. And, and I went after them. First one was wanted a job that I enjoyed. So, you know, I was at working at Bob Evans down on the farm and, you know, that was fine. But yeah. Uh, I eventually got a job at family, you know, I guess, I mean, you know, (laughs) I'll, I'll say this about Bob Evans. I'll still eat there. And I think if you work in the restaurant industry and you can say after you leave and still Mm. eat there, they've done something right. Absolutely. Not to knock on Applebee's, but I countless (laughs) friends I know who've worked there. It's just like, I don't ever want to eat there ever. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I have no problem with, uh, with Bob Evans. So it's good food. Yeah. Um, so but I ended up leaving that job and I got hired at my parish in, uh, in Swartz Creek at the time. I was at St. Mary Queen of Angels in Swartz Creek, got hired there to really just be the, the gopher, like do whatever was needed in the parish. Um, setting up for retreats, you know, running copies, cleaning out this old closet that hasn't been touched in 50 years. <laughs> you name it, I was doing it. And it was awesome. Kind of, I, I was, it was the first, like my first step into parish life, really. Mm. So I wanted a job I enjoyed, check. Uh, I wanted to uh, study something I enjoyed, music, history, check. And then I wanted to be in a rock band. And by my by the end of my first year in college, I had checked all three of those boxes. And so you would think, you know, I made that list. This is what it takes for me to be happy, mm-hmm. that I would be happy once I checked them all. Unfortunately, I was never more miserable in my entire life than I was in that moment. Mm-hmm. And... I had to like kind of come to terms with why am I so miserable all the time? Why is this just so awful? And, and it really, this is where all of that Catholic upbringing kicked in and like mattered all of those Catholic school years, all of those years of making mass non-negotiable, all of that. That's when this kicked in. And I said, okay, 
if all of those things I heard all of those years is true, then if I give a little bit more to God, I'm going to find that happiness I'm looking for, right? Seems pretty simple. And so I started to I kind of I realized that I was really giving God just the leftovers of my life. Like I was taking everything that I wanted, then giving God an hour on Sunday. And that was it. And I'm like, all right, well, I probably should do more than that. So I started a prayer life, started being intentional about praying every day, started going to adoration um, once a week, started going, you know, at least once a week outside of Sunday to daily mass, just making that more part of my life, more part of my uh, routine to give God more. And over like, there's like a nine month period in that. And this was between my second and third year in college that I really decided to do this. And it was during this time that that voice in the back of my head started thinking about the priesthood. Mm. I went, uh-uh, no, no thanks. Hard pass. Appreciate it, God, but uh, no thanks. <laughs> I ran hard in the other direction. And I mean, it just kept coming back over and over and over again. There was, there was only really one moment where like, I can still really remember the Lord really chasing me down. And I was in adoration. And uh, in fact, it was benediction. The priest was doing benediction. And I remember in the back of my mind, hearing the words, I want to do that. And my, my next reaction was, no, I do not, because I know what that means. And of course, it was very clear to me, that wasn't my voice saying that, right? Mm. That was the Lord speaking through me saying, I want you to do that. Mm. And it scared me because I'm like, I, I still at that point did not want to do that. But the Lord just kept over and over again, just very calmly and, and quietly calling me to it. And at some point during my third year, I just kind of knew like, all right, something's got to change. And so I did what, you know, everybody who's running from the Lord did. I said, you know what? Maybe the problem is that I just need to go to a Catholic university. That's it. It's not seminary. God can't possibly be calling me to that. So I applied to the University of Steubenville and uh, I got in. And it was May of my third year in college where our youth, or not our youth group, our uh, Newman Center in Flint, we took a trip to Steubenville to a uh, festival of praise. Spent the weekend there. It was awesome. The Holy Spirit was present. I love that campus, love that university. Came home. I remember sitting at the computer on Sunday night, writing an email to the university saying, thanks for accepting me, but I know I can't go there. And I just knew coming back from that, I had a great time. I loved it, but I knew that I was not supposed to go there. And then the next Monday, the next day, I contacted our vocations director and got got started with uh, applying for seminary. Got in in the fall of 2010, spent three years in minor seminary at the University of St. Thomas in St. Paul, Minnesota. And then uh, so winters here, like this is this is a small taste of what winters there are like. Oh, mm. it's like this all winter long. And it's awful. Winters are awful there. But loved my time there, three years at the University of St. Thomas, St. John Vianney Seminary, and then transferred to Sacred Heart in Detroit for my final four years, my theology. was ordained on June 10th, 2017. Spent three years in Ann Arbor and have spent the last two and a half here in Flint now. Nice. Yep. I love it. These, these past five years as a priest have been amazing. The adventure I've been on have been awesome. The things I get to do have been amazing. I got to celebrate mass 
upstairs of St. Peter's Basilica on the altar of St. John Paul II, which was wow. mind-blowing. Yeah. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. That's like the highlight of my whole priesthood at this moment is like, like being there at, at like the heart of the church right there with St. John Paul II. Yeah, I'm getting like goosebumps now, man. And that was in my first year as a priest. Yeah. I was like, this is what it's like. Yeah. Oh my gosh, it was amazing. That's awesome. Wow. What a privilege. Yeah. What a what a beautiful Yeah. That's I don't have words. Totally is. (laughs) It it is. And then and I was we were just talking before that we started recording and like what my day today has been like, right? I've I've met with a bunch of students today at school. And then I went to the power hockey practice. And just like, you know, threw on skates with the boys and yeah. uh, skated with them and went to a basketball game afterwards. And like, what the heck, man? This is awesome. Yeah. This is so cool. Nice. Well, I I think that, that was very, uh, very in-depth. So I, I don't know if I have oh, any more you. questions about that. Yeah. I've given this story a few times. I, I could tell. I could tell. <laughs> we we priests oh, have well. given this story a lot. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, I lo- I just love hearing just the path people have gone on, their story, and yeah. it's God's story in in your life too, and it's it's awesome to listen. Yeah, to. It, and I think that was actually one of my favorite parts of seminary because you know I I didn't like school very much, so when the Lord asked me to do seven more years of school, I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> fine. But one of the best parts of seminary was to hear all the stories from the guys. Yeah. Like no two stories were ever the same. And they were all just like, in some way, like just amazing. You're just like, oh my gosh. Like for a lot of them, like, how did you get to this place? How did you end up here now? Like, that's amazing. Right. Yeah. God is so amazing. Yeah. One question I did want to ask you about was uh, your band you start, or I don't know if you, you started it or not, but the band you mentioned playing bass yeah. more. But yeah. Tell me more about that. So it was, uh, it was just kind of like one of those college bands, garage type bands. And, uh, you know, we weren't very good. I, I, we have a couple, <laughs> we wrote a couple of songs that I actually kind of still like, but like we weren't very good and we knew it. And, you know, mm. we, I happened to meet those guys when I was in college through different friends and they're like, Hey, we need a bass player. Our, our bass player just quit. And I'm like, all right, I'm looking for a band. So we started it and our, we, we, I guess I joined them and uh, mm. we had a, uh, an album on iTunes and Amazon back in the day. And we broke even. We thought that was this the coolest thing in the planet that we nice. broke even. Nice. And uh, you know, I, I guess <laughs> I could talk about that out, a little bit too. Yeah, for starting yeah. out, that's like the most amazing feeling. You know, it is. It's awesome. And you know, this that was actually one of the hardest parts of going into seminary because I mm. love playing music like a lot. I really love playing music. I would wake up the morning of a gig. And like, just be filled with so much energy and so much adrenaline just to start. And I'm like, I'm not playing for another 12 hours. I'm not playing for another 16 hours. And I'm already like amped up for this gig. And so for me to like give up playing, even just like the bar scene downtown Flint, right? Mm. Giving that up was not something I was really ready to do and did not want to do. And that was probably one of the hardest parts was giving up the band. But eventually, of course, I, I did, uh, and I left that group and and pursued seminary. And it's amazing what God does too, because you know, I mean, that band wasn't very good, but I enjoyed the heck out of it. But the opportunities that the Lord has put in front of me 
because I gave that to him has been amazing. So, you know, I know you talked to David Cruz and uh, when we were in at Sacred Heart, we got to do three professionally done music videos together. He wrote the music for it, which is amazing. Nice. And I got to play as part of that, which was phenomenal. Um, twice I got to play at the Kobo Center in front of a couple thousand people. Nice. Um, it was incredible. And the, the opportunities the Lord continues to put in front of me, no longer playing for myself, but playing for his glory is mm. amazing. So like he, it's, it's like the end of that first Eucharistic prayer, right? Like he, he takes it and he blesses it and he bestows it upon us. Right. Yeah. So he took, he took my gift of music that I'd given to him and he blessed it and gave it back to me, which was very cool. Do you still play or? I or do. I mean, like, and I, you still, it, well, not in a band, but you know, just. I do still play in a band. Okay. okay. Never. Mind. I, I have. A, I have. A, you know. I, I. I. can't like get away from it because I love it so much. So mm. I'm in a band with a, a group of really good guys, and my brother's in this band, and uh, yes. it's. We've now moved from like rock to funk. So nice. I've really nice. had to like expand my bass playing repertoire, which is a ton of fun. Um, yeah. So I still play a lot more slapping. A lot more. So I actually had to buy a bass that was like good for slapping, um, <laughs> which was amazing. And nice. I'm really glad I did. And then I'm also playing bass for the uh, high school musical that we're doing. We're doing Godspell this year and nice. I'm playing bass for awesome. that, which is another cool way to connect with the kids, right? They're, I get yeah, to, to hang out with them and the theater kids and that's going to mm. be a lot of fun. That's going to stretch my uh, bass playing skills as well, which is cool. I love doing that. Awesome. Nice. So I brought Father Tony on for a specific reason and kind of a kind of a background of this, the parish that I belong to, uh, St. Mary's, uh, I, I've only been going to St. Mary's for a couple of years, but our, our priest, Father Bill, he passed away last year and uh, it was like all of a sudden kind of yeah, it was. out of nowhere. And Father Bill was, he was like one of those homilists that, you know, he could like kind of wrap you in, mm. you know, where yeah. like, like he was, t he's telling a story, he'll get, he'll get the jokes in there and stuff, but like... <laughs> like laid down the lessons and stuff. And it was, it was easy to absorb kind of thing. Mm -hmm. I, I, I'm not sure if I'm describing this correctly, but it's just, he was a really, he was a really cool guy. Yeah. yeah. It was really sad for, for, for him to pass away, but we, uh, we pray for him every day. And in the midterm, we, we had a lot of priests come in to, uh, fill in during, uh, that transition period when we were looking for another priest. And father Tony was one of the priests that came in and, one of the things I have to say, I have to say this because I think it's funny, but um, <laughs> the first the first time I, I saw you come in, it, it was like a weekend where one of my daughters was sick. So my wife and I had to split up going to mass. So she went mm -hmm. to like the early mass at St. Joseph's and then I went to the later mass at St. Mary's and she came home and she's like, yeah, the priest who is there today, I, I think you're really going to like, he's a really young guy and and then I get in and I, I see you for the first time and the pictures I find online of you, don't you do your hair do justice right now. Okay. <laughs> it's it's uh, a COVID do. Yeah, so most COVID. of the pictures you see were, were pre-COVID. <laughs> yeah. So really all the pictures online are really short, but your hair right now, it's like kind of, what is it? Like it, it's pretty long. Um, usually I have like that yep. little ponytail going on yes. where it's not, it's not the whole ponytail, the whole back of your hair, but it's, just, just I, a little bit. To connect with our, our, our theme, uh, I'm going for the Geralt of Rivia look. There you go. Yeah, Geralt. So the first time I saw you when you were you were coming in during the procession, I was like, this guy looks like like a samurai or something. Yeah. I was like father father samurai. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just now I, I gotta now I gotta see now I gotta put my cassock on and like yeah. feel it and put it get a get a katana. 
yeah I'm there you go that. there you go yeah i think that with the um uh the vestments you had or your traveling vestments i remember mm-hmm. uh when we spoke a couple weeks ago there was a family that came up and were kind of asking you about your vestments and stuff and yeah it's the smaller vestments could you go, go into a little more detail about that yeah so they're um they're called the roman chasuble it's called yeah. the roman chasuble and uh it's also known as the fiddleback and uh mm-hmm. it's uh it's really um there was really the dominant style you would see back before Vatican II. Mm-hmm. And you know, you see somewhat of a resurgence of it nowadays because there's been a resurgence of the Tridentine Mass. But uh I like them a lot because there are no sleeves and I am kind of klutzy and like <laughs> the last thing I want to do, I'm like absolutely horrified of knocking the chalice over. And when you get those long sleeves and you're in a chasuble that you feel like you're just swimming in, like mm. it's so easy. You see the priests a lot of times, right? They'll they'll hold back their sleeves to to like move around the altar. I'm like, right. I don't want to do that. I've got this vestment here that that just there isn't the material there to to do that. So it's really it's a lot more comfortable. It's a lot easier to travel with, and yeah, you know, it's a, especially in the summer. It's a lot cooler in the summer too. A lot more mm. airflow. So oh, yeah. those. I like those vestments and they're comfortable. So that's why I like them. Yeah. And just a, with the, the shortness of it, it almost looks kind of like a breastplate. And then, yeah. you know, so it, it just kind of not speaking of this particular particular mass, but the, the mass that you were here for a couple of weeks ago, you had talked about, which your homily for that was, was amazing, by the way. It was thank you very powerful. It just about the culture and yeah. Uh, just the things with Prop 3 going on. And uh, for those yep. who don't know, Prop 3 in Michigan is the bill that was passed recently to uh, re-allow abortions back into Michigan. And uh, it's, a lot of it hasn't really kicked in yet, but the way it was written is very de- devastating, I think. Yeah, and, it was just written in the worst possible way. Yeah. And so many, I mean, it, abortion is just the tip of the iceberg with Prop 3. Like it allows mm. so many other things that are just pure evil. Yeah, allowing any any adult to take your child from school or something like that and not tell you about yeah. taking them in for if they had to have an abortion or something like that. Or well, not have, to have, but like, you know, yeah. if, if they were pregnant and they didn't want you to know about it, these other adults at schools could take your child in and get an abortion. You wouldn't know about it. Right. Yeah. The destruction of the parental consent in that bill is just Mm. so devastating. Yeah. It's something we got to fight now, but uh, moving on, (laughs) moving on from that though. (laughs) Yeah. Don't get me started on that topic. I'll go. I'll go. I heard me go go for another hour. Yeah. Uh, But you're um, in your homily. You were, you were talking about, Oh yeah. I I play video games with some of my friends. So uh, immediately I was like, I have to talk to father Tony. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So which brings us, brings us to the reason why I wanted father Tony on is I thought it'd be cool to talk about like morality choices in video games. I mean, you, you see them yeah. in a lot of popular series, a lot of stuff from Bioware yep, and anything by Todd Howard. So you got Elder Scrolls, you got Mass Effect, yep. Fallout, Dragon Age, even some other games where like morality isn't specifically the hook of the game, but, you know, things like Red Dead Redemption, um, yep. some choices where it's like, you know, it doesn't affect the story, but you know, you're you're making these moral choices in the game. Right. And usually with when it's like the hook of the game, like take Mass Effect, for example. Throughout the game, you have your character and as situations come up, you have a bunch of different choices to to interact with 
these characters and these situations. And on occasion, you'll have the paragon or the renegade choice. So, mm-hmm. you know, you got your good choice or your evil choice. And I like the concept of that because it feels like I can do the things I would I would feel I want to do. But a right. lot of the problems with it, that is, it's, it's very binary and there's no... And it's usually morality from a certain point of view. You know? Right. So, right. like, for example, Mass Effect 3 where, you know, you can have homosexual relationships and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. These choices are good choices that right. you, you can make, but obviously it, it's coming from a certain point of view. But Correct. Um, yeah. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on that kind of thing? Yeah. So definitely in some of those games where, like, it's it's almost like they're trying too hard to make the morality uh, a piece of it. Like, it's very binary. Where When you look on the real world, like, morality is not binary. It is messy and it is just filled with nuance and circumstance and all kinds of things where it's like, well, I mean, it's, I I like the idea of the choice, but um, it's so much more nuanced in real life than that. Mm. And what the the games I actually like when we're talking about morality, um, the, the games that I, I tend to prefer are ones that are actually tend to make statements more than, than like, Hey, guide your character along this moral way. Cause I remember um, Bioshock to me is like the one that really introduced me to this idea of uh, you can play two different ways. You play very evil or you can play very good, right? So you have these these um, these little girls and um, right, the little you can sisters. either, the little sisters, right? You can either kill them and take all of their atom or you can set them free and you only get half of the atom in return. And I remember uh, when I was playing this game for the first time and I'm like, they, the choice is right there the first time in front of you. And I'm like, I remember sitting there for like minutes, like, what do I do? Hmm. Which one am I going to choose? And I remember I'm like, well, let's see what happens when I take all the atom. And I remember being so horrified by that decision. I like stopped the game and restarted from an earlier save. So I would never have to do that again. Yeah. Uh, and, and I could even to this day, like if I'm, I'm playing a game like that, like there are times where I, I cannot bring myself to make the evil choice. Hmm. And and, and I think, like, from a gaming perspective, like, that can be good. But to me, um, that almost seems like a, it's, like, limiting the game that I want to play. Because, mm. like, I don't want to take any of those choices. But I feel like I'm I'm also, at some point, losing out on some content that the game creators put in. And I'm like, hmm, right. well, I don't know if that's the way that it really should be done. A game that I, th- this may be controversial, but uh, I think now is a good time to bring it up. Um, a game that I really like is Cyberpunk 2077. Mm-hmm. And as with video games, as with like any medium, right? You got to know yourself. Like if that's a game you can't play, hey, that's totally fine, right? Like for a lot of people, I remember when uh, Game of Thrones was first coming out uh, in the books and I was recommended to read the books. And I'm like, all right, that sounds cool. It's like kind of right up my alley. And I remember reading the first book and I'm like halfway through the second book and I'm like, I can't take this anymore. I'm putting these books away. Like, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. It's too much. Cyberpunk can feel like that at times. What I love about cyberpunk is it's actually making a statement about who we are as a people. Like, this is like, it's pointing at, this is where, if we continue where we're going, this is where our society is going to end up. And so you certainly within cyberpunk have like tons of decisions to make, right? You can make a lot of different moral decisions and it's a lot more nuanced than, hey, you can either choose the good route or the bad route. Like it's, it's, Mm. there's always a lot in the middle. 
But what I really appreciate about cyberpunk is that it makes you think about, wow, like, yeah, we could end up in this place. We could end up here in all of these places where like, if for example, you have a brain dance as part of it. And it's essentially you're putting on like a, a super advanced VR goggles and you're doing it for very not good reasons, right? You're doing it for the express purpose of sinning. And it's like, wow. Yeah. Like as a society, we're like heading there. And yeah. it almost seems like a warning shot to our to civilization. Like, hey, we need to be real careful or else this is the reality we're going to end up in. And I don't think anybody really wants to end up in the cyberpunk world. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I see a lot of cyberpunk-ish type games really hit mm-hmm. home with that, too. So yes. I, play, I remember playing the rebooted Shadowrun series. Yep. And... I remember the one the one conversation with one of the characters in the third installment. I think it was uh, it was the the like Chinese themed one. I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head. But one of the characters in there, he's um, he's a transhumanist, mm-hmm. and just that his you know morality and theology of that is very on display there. And you you have conversations with your like, your, like you create your character, and then you have conversations with your teammates that you build up over time. Um, yep. It's it's more of a real-time strategy game or not real-time or it's a turn-based strategy game and so the this transhumanist character you just have these really frank conversations about like humanity and his perspective on on things and i'm like yeah this where things could go and then on top of that the the like the the drug culture and the 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 corporate culture in, in this setting is just like so you know, relatable in a sense. It, it's yeah. You can you can definitely see these things in the future, and, it, and it's it's scary in a sense, but it should. And also some of it not even like too far in the future. You look at the yeah. news and you see Elon Musk with with uh, uh, Neuralink. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like this transhumanism, transhumanism is like already starting. Right. Yeah. Definitely going to open up a lot more conversations in the church, and it's things we need to talk about. And, Absolutely. Yeah. So I, I just list, started listening to. Uh, jimmy aiken's mysterious world podcast and one of his really early episodes uh he talks about transhumanism and stuff like that yeah i I like i like jimmy's show because he he doesn't do it from like one side or the other kind of thing but he he like brings the evidence in presents it and says this is what it is and so so it's really cool listening to him kind of go through it and stuff like that but yeah yeah talking about what what trans i I didn't know we were going to go to this topic but (laughs) (laughs) what what uh transhumanists like want to see in the future of going beyond homo sapien um becoming a i don't know a new creation or or whatnot right like merging merging humanity and the technology yeah whether or not we'll ever get to the points that that transhumanists want to get i don't know but but there's still like some good things in there too like the advances on medical technology and things like that and being able to heal and help humanity and not so much supplant it as uh, things we can get behind but well i think the the overall like desire that that undergirds that is the desire for uh immortality yeah which we all have like within us right like for a reason because we are but not in the way that they think it's right. going to happen. Right. Like they're trying to reach for something that, Hey, we've been freely given. Man, I don't know where to go from there. <laughs> <laughs> what's your, what's your favorite game? 
What's my favorite game? Well, right now I can't play anything because of Exodus 90. Kind of coming back to that. <laughs> That's so, true. But bad question to ask right now. I, I know, yeah. Um, or maybe it's a good question because it's like, what does your heart want to play right now? Right, yeah, yeah. Uh, this there's this game. I, I guess we can go to this topic too because I love talking about it. Um, my favorite game right now because I've put like thousands of hours into it. Ooh. is this game called seven days to die which I, I i've talked to you about and yeah uh, hopefully we can start playing that soon it, essentially it's it's minecraft but a more emphasis on like a zombie apocalypse kind of thing so think like world war z but minecraft in a sense. yeah um, i started playing it because i heard you guys you guys like to play it so i'm like all yeah. right i don't want to be a total noob when i jump in with you guys <laughs> i gotta know what i'm doing i don't want to be a drag uh it is, a, it is a ton of fun. Oh, yeah. And it's still being developed right now, too. It's it's an alpha, like, 20 or 21 right now. So it, Yeah, it's but been, what does early access mean nowadays? Like, every, right, games are in yeah. early access forever now. Yeah, yeah. Well, this one's the epitome of that. So it's, yes. been, it's been being worked on since, like, 2007 or something like that. Holy I feel smokes. Like. I didn't know that. I bought the game back in, like, alpha 7. And it looks so much different now. And it's, it's wow. way cooler now than it obviously it used to be. And I, I've seen so many different changes to it. And it's just one of those fun games where you can just have your own adventure kind of thing. Yes. Um, you're, yeah. you're going out, you're you're taking on quests to like go through these different houses. And the, the developers have, you know, where, where Minecraft, it's just like you, you come upon a prefabricated building or something like that. You know, you come upon the village or whatnot. It's the same buildings mm-hmm. every time, you know, you show yeah. up to it. Um, even with the new updates and things like that, that um, Microsoft has put in, it's it's kind of, you know, it's kind of the same thing over and over again. Right. Um, not to say that Seven Days to Die doesn't have that same problem, but each building you go into is like, it's like its own mini adventure where yeah. it's built in such a way that you kind of, it's kind of guiding you through it. And there's like, there's like traps, like, uh, you know, false floors you're walking over and you fall through and, oh no, you're surrounded by zombies. So you have to take care of them kind of thing. There's these huge skyscraper buildings that you go through. It's like, it's almost like a, like a, like a dungeon or something like that. Kind of comparing it to like World of Warcraft, I suppose. Mm -hmm. And the hook of the game, which I think makes it the best is going off the title, seven days to die is every seven days in the game. So it's got a day night cycle. On the seventh day is the blood moon. And so at the beginning of the day, you know, this is the day because the the moon that (laughs) rises up is like red. And as soon as nighttime hits, all the zombies, wherever you are, is just get swarmed by zombies just constantly throughout the night. And so you have your structure. You have to like build traps and stuff like that to kind of kill the zombies coming up. And it it gets like real, really intense especially in the higher levels, you know, as, as you get to like week 14 and uh, 21, 28, something like that, stronger and stronger zombies are coming in there. Zombies that can like tear through concrete, which is the, Oh my gosh, which is the strongest material in the game. It just tear through it like tissue paper, you know? And it kind of takes off a little bit of uh, uh, left for dead a little bit where there's like special zombies. Like you get the police officer zombie that can, that like vomits like acid. So that's, that's how they tear through your walls. And then you get the jumper ones that can climb up the side of buildings and then jumps at you from far distance. You get the ones that will like attract more zombies if they see you. So they'll start crying out and 
Wow. Man, it gets intense. I said. So you've definitely reinforced my opinion that I am a total noob because <laughs> I was, I was playing the other day and I was just in my very first night and nighttime is particularly scary because I'm, mm. I'm in this house and oh, I've yeah. got like nothing. Yeah. And all of a sudden I hear a zo- like a single zombie outside and I'm like, I'm about ready to like crap my <laughs> pants because I'm so scared. I'm like, oh my oh, yeah. gosh. Yeah. It's one of those things where like daytime you're running around, you're doing quests, you're scavenging buildings, getting materials and food and stuff like that. And then at nighttime you're, you're hunkered down in your base and you're building stuff. You're, you're preparing for the next day kind of thing. Yeah. And, uh, if you do it right, you can you can get a lot of stuff done pretty quickly. I mean, I've, I've mm-hmm. had enough experience with the game, of course. Every time I start it new, I can plow through the first like 10 levels wow. pretty quickly. Yeah. So th- this kind of brings me, I, I want to, uh, here's my take on zombies, okay? Mm-hmm. I think zombies are the best monster antagonist, I think, in, in fantasy or, or any kind of you know, fiction media, mostly because it's, I believe zombies are the antithesis of, of Catholicism in the, in the sake that maybe, maybe the antithesis of Jesus, the Eucharist. Okay. is Jesus telling us that this is my body freely giving up to you. The basis for the zombie specifically in the undead is that's your body. I'm taking it from mm-hmm. me. Yeah, that is that is good. I'm always struck by, and I only watched a couple of seasons of uh, The Walking Dead, mm-hmm. but I'm always struck by that title, right? The Walking Dead. When you realize that the title is not referencing the zombies, mm-hmm. right? It references the humans um, who are the the Walking Dead, right? When they um, Here's another take on that too, right? So you got all the zombies outside and where do they go? They end up in a prison to, to escape the zombies. They willingly put themselves in a prison to escape the zombies. And like, they are the walking dead to me. Like that's so theological as well. Right. Cause when we have all of this crap in our lives, right? Like we become imprisoned in all of that as well. Instead of like living the way we're supposed to live, we become the walking dead ourselves. Yeah. Yeah, zombies, you're right. Very, very theological. Really yeah. good. All right. We've gone 45 minutes now. Um, oh, man. That was That's that, awesome. That was super quick. So, yeah, uh, we got into things <laughs> that I didn't even think we were going to go to. And I, I love that. That's why I love doing interviews with uh, yeah with, the, with all these amazing people we get to talk to and stuff. So, I want to end up here. Uh, thank you so much, Father Tony, for being here. Yeah, with absolutely. Me. Again, uh, Father Tony Smila, uh, he's the chaplain at Powers Catholic High School, and he has his podcast, the Flint Catholic Podcast. So if you're interested in that and want to know what's going on in Flint, wherever you are, you know, it doesn't matter if you're in Louisiana or not. Yeah. Oh, there's yeah. good content for those who are, are not Flintoids as well. Yeah, great content. Yeah, so thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you for listening and hanging out with the Catholic Nerds. Please subscribe to this podcast and share it with all of your friends, whether they're Catholic or not, console fans or members of the PC Master Race. Either way, we'll all find that common ground to the things we can nerd out about. Thank you again, and God bless. Boom, 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 boom,